I'm Paul Moffat. I'm Jan Moffat. And this is Way Too Seriously, the podcast where we watch kids' movies and then take them way too seriously. This week we watched and we'll be talking about Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Jan, do you want to tell us a little bit about this movie? Yes, yes I do. Uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs is going to be a hard title. I might call it just Cloudy. Go ahead. (laughs) Anyway, it is a 2009 movie by Sony Pictures. Sony Pictures Animation, I guess, is the studio. It's it's based on a picture book, but it doesn't really follow the plot of the picture book at all. It has some similarities. We'll talk about that in a second. Hmm. But uh, it's about Flint Lockwood, who is an inventor, who invents a machine that makes turns water into food. It brings joy to his small island and then brings terror to his small island. <laughs> uh, there's various cast of characters, including Sam Sparks, who is the weather girl who um, is actually a me- meteorologist who comes to the town to report the his fa- uh, Flint Lockwood's father, whose name I cannot recall. Uh, Dad, I think. This is just called Dad. No, I don't, Tim. Tim. Tim Lockwood. Tim Lockwood. Uh, the mayor, the mascot, Baby Brett, <laughs> and various other characters who help him out, and he ends up saving the day. Basically, that's what happens. He saves the day by turning off the machine he invented, which was ruining the day. Yep, exactly. Yep. So, save the day, you know, maybe a little strong. <laughs> yes, that's true. So, it stars uh, Bill Hader, Anna Faris, uh, James Caan, Bruce Campbell, Andy Samberg, Mr. T, Benjamin Bratt, Neil Patrick Harris. It's pr- it's all of the name. Like, they're all celebrities. Yep. Not... Uh, Voice actors. Breakout performance by Neil Patrick Harris as the monkey. Steve! Breakout performance? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, as we usually do, why don't we start off by talking about, as objectively as we can, how good a job did they do making this movie? The animation is good. The voice actors are good and they're hilarious. I think they're spot on. The the plot is tight. I think that that was... uh, Obviously very different from the actual book, but that's fine. I think they do, they do a good job of, like, just increasing the peril and saving the day. It's kind of your basic sim- plot with some added extra bits in it. Uh, <laughs> do, can you talk? I'm doing terrible with Your this. basic plot with some added yeah. extra bits. Um, I would say so I agree. I think the voice acting uh, was pretty good, but I'm... I'm going to give away a secret. Don't tell anyone. We're recording this after we recorded Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2, mm-hmm. even though we're releasing it first. Yep. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time comparing it to Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2 because we're pretending that we haven't seen number two. But the vo- vocal performances, mm-hmm. there's a lot uh, less of them. In this mm-hmm. movie, then this is my only real comparison is uh, all the roles are less, um, except Bill, Hill, Bill Hader, mm-hmm. Flint Lockwood. So having said that, the vocal performances are all good. Some of them are very good. I think Bruce Campbell as the mayor yeah. is fantastic. I mean, he's 
He's Bruce, Bruce Campbelling it. Yeah, up. Bruce Campbell he's, just like he is what he is, and when you when you want that in a movie, you get Bruce Campbell. Yeah, and sometimes you get other people, but like Bruce Campbell is the Bruce Campbell least of all. And yeah, and he does great. Uh, otherwise, you know, everyone is doing a perfectly great job, mm-hmm. perfectly good job at the voice acting. I thought the animation was actually quite good, and in terms of writing, like the plot, I think you're right, it was pretty straightforward. Uh, they have increasing peril at just when you would expect it to. They're mm-hmm. following the playbook of how to ratchet up the tension, ratchet up the conflicts, yep. internal and external conflicts. And there's a time lock on the conflict because the machine, like it follows all those beats yep. without a lot of twists and turns. Um, in terms of writing the com, the dialogue, the script, yeah. uh, this movie makes me laugh. I think the jokes are very good yes, in this movie. Absolutely. Maybe they're just my taste and maybe we're moving into how much you enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the uh, script was quite funny. Yeah, I think what makes the movie is the is the script, is the fact that despite it being a fairly standard children's movie, that it surprised me in how funny it was and how genuinely I laughed out loud several times during it. And... Just like like Steve the monkey, Steve, and like just the joke where the dad has to email something to the son, <laughs> and like oh, it's a joke that you've seen before, but it's so funny. And the kids, our kids, didn't find it obviously very funny at all. But like to any adult who has tr- tried to talk someone over the phone how to use a computer, and it's just, and he's just trying to, he's like asking him to. Move it across the desktop, yeah. and he like has no idea what that means. And, it's like, oh. Dad, just take the icon, drag it into the folder, <laughs> click on my name in the email, and click send. But the dad is just drag it across. It's not dragging. It's fantastic. Like, and the thing is, ideal like not over the phone in person with people like this every single day in my job, and so it's extra super funny to me. An extra, yeah, just, oh man, I deal with these people every time, every single day, people who don't know how to use a computer, and it's it's so frustrating and hilarious at the same time, and yeah. We've moved into how much you enjoyed yes, the movie, and I think that's fine. Yeah. I don't know that I have that much more to say about the objective quality of the movie. Yeah. Like, it was all pretty it was good. good. Yeah. I don't think any part of it except for the uh, script is outstanding. Mm-hmm. I think every other part of it is perfectly good. Yeah. How much did you enjoy this movie? So much. Yeah. This movie, I think, I really think I enjoy this movie more than I think it is good. When I put on my objective hat, I don't (laughs) think it is as good as I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's mostly the script and mostly the humor. I think the the jokes are very good, but I think they also tickle me exactly. Like, they're Mm -hmm. my kind of jokes, and I find so... gross out joke where like look Steve has some brown <laughs> snowballs Steve's. and then it's like oh it's poo and like I don't know I don't usually like, like a gross out yeah, joke exactly. but it made me laugh it makes it's just it's because it's subtle you yeah. know they don't they don't lampshade it they don't draw so much attention to it that like you know ha ha it turns out to be poo they just like just subtly have him throwing poo <laughs> <laughs> Or the, like so many, many of the jokes, the one where he makes his entire, the premise is funny and they do well with letting it be funny. 
And there's a lot of ridiculousness that they let be funny and that I find funny. But, you know, when he makes an entire house out of jello, and then he's like, there's this sculpture of the Venus de Milo with your face on it, right next to the sculpture of Michelangelo's David with your face yeah, on it. Yeah, it seems like he's going to say my face, but he says yeah. your face. Yeah, that is, a, that is a stellar joke. Or the like... I mean, the yeah. fact that he makes his own soundtrack as he like Flynn <laughs> he narrates everything he does and like he has fake a fake scanner for in like in his little fortress Lab. he uses the little like speak and spell or whatever to get in a memory this, game yeah the Simon Simon says memory game to get into his thing and he like just has his hand like on a piece of paper and says like scanning <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know that's just it's just cute and funny and like and honestly both we've seen this I think twice with our kids maybe I think so maybe and both times immediately afterwards our oldest is like completely like I'm an inventor I'm gonna make a scanning thing to get into my room and she can make the exact same things that he makes when he's a kid because they're all just like kid things they're all just like paper with like paper with drawings <laughs> with drawing on it, on yeah. it. There was a while when we first watched this movie several years ago that she had a thing next to her bed that had like a code to get into her bed and she did it for like months beep, afterwards. Beep, 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 she would say. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's also where it like it has some charm to me is like yes. when it makes our kids or uh, imitate it, I always it always has a special place for me. Yeah. A movie that as soon as it ends, our kids get up and play whatever the movie was. Mm-hmm always wins points for my enjoyment of it. And this is one of them for sure. I can think of a few other ones. The major one that comes to my mind, of course, is the Lego movie. Mm -hmm. Our kids got up and ran to the room to play Lego. Yep, exactly. (laughs) Good marketing there, Lego. (laughs) Exactly. Let's move on to To the the way too too seriously part of the evening. (laughs) Well, (laughs) we record these at night. (laughs) We, um... I want to say a little bit about children's picture books that are translated into movies. This is something that's been happening for a long time. Mm-hmm. I am, I would call myself an expert in children's books, in children, especially fair. in picture books. And um, a lot of the time, it's not a good translation. I think books like, um, movies like Jumanji, I haven't seen the recent reboot. Is it out yet? I don't even know if it's out I yet. Anyway. Know. Uh, with The Rock, but the older one with Robin Williams is an okay movie, but like not that great. And it's because it's based on a book that is mainly illustrations. And the same author of that book, Chris Van Lan, also wrote The Polar Express, which, (laughs) okay, I know a lot of people love The Polar Express. It's right up there for Christmas movies. Paul and I hate the Polar Express. We both really hate it and our kids will never see it because of this because we just hate it and it may be it has something to do with how we first saw it. That I mean this is digressing a lot but it like is. it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. It's terrible. Anyway <laughs> don't 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 at us. We just hate Polar Express and you're not going to convince us otherwise. But, but it's because it's based on a on this thin little picture book and they had to add so much plot to make it a two-hour movie. And there are, and um, 
Another one that does that is Where the Wild Things Are, which I haven't seen, so can't comment on the goodness of that. And then there's this one, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, in... I'm talking too fast. No, I was just <laughs> going to interrupt and say, Where the Wild Things All Are is one of those books that if you haven't read it since you're a kid and you go back to it, it's very, very thin in terms of the writing. Mm -hmm. like, there's all these amazing illustrations, but the story of Where the Wild Things Are... Yes. Incredibly oh, thin. Can I just digress a tiny bit with... Please do. Where the Wild Things Are? The reason that you remember it so well as a child, the reason that it might stick in your head as this fantastic book is because it is mainly illustrations and because you, dear reader, dear listener, invented stories in your head about what happened to Max on that island. And that's the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Is that when you go back as an adult and go, wait a minute, five of these pages have no words on them. They're just pictures. And I came up with this whole story in my own head. That's the joy of books without words can have a story that you make yeah. up yourself. Anyway, and that when is I, so when I say <laughs> When I say it's thin, I don't mean to say anything bad about it. That's no, part of no. its enormous charm. I mean, and yeah. picture books are thin. That is the nature of picture books. Yeah. Um, so back to... So Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, the picture book, written in the 60s, illustrated with very realist, photorealism uh, drawings. But it is, the plot of it is basically, there's a, a grandpa telling a story about a tall tale. There was a town once where it rained all these foods and then the food got too big and they all sailed away on bread boats. The end. That's literally the story with beautiful, beautiful illustrations. And that's why it sticks in people's heads as a cool book because the title is cool, the concept is cool, and that's all a picture book needs. Of course, a movie needs more. And this movie invents this entire plot with an inventor and how the food started falling in the first place. And I feel like it did it really well. Yeah. I think when these kind of th books get optioned, it's all dependent on a good scriptwriter. Yeah. Cl Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, unlike Polar Express, for example, <laughs> has a good scriptwriter who did a good job. And what they did, I think, so well is recognized what is good about what is worth keeping about the book, which essentially is the premise. Yep, exactly. Everything else goes out the window. Yep, because it the doesn't matter. The premise is great. Mm -hmm. Keep that. Nothing else needs to continue in the movie, and so they don't. Yeah. Yep. And that's why it's such a surprising movie to me, especially when I first saw it, I was like, how are they going to turn this little picture book into a movie? And then I saw it and was like, they did a good job. It's really funny. It's really good. It's adapted for kind of a more modern age, and it's really yeah well done yeah so that's my seriously part where like my expertise comes in there's yeah. also what else do you want to take too seriously paul well, there's one i don't know how uh whether i maybe should have brought this up in the enjoyment section of the podcast or what but it struck me this time how much a little island in the atlantic where they are all dependent on fishing and then mm -hmm. fishing stops and they don't know what to do with themselves. That's where we live. Yep, we sure do. <laughs> the island of Newfoundland uh, had its entire economy and industry based on cod fishing. And then in the 80s, there was a federal moratorium on cod fishing because they were overfishing it to them to extinction. extinction. Yeah. And the economy of Newfoundland has never recovered can, still. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's 
struck me this time watching it how much the island of Chew and Swallow, Newfoundland's a big island. Much bigger, yeah. Uh, in terms of land, mm-hmm. in terms of people, it is not a big island. I mean, it's bigger than that. Bigger than Chew and Swallow. In this bigger movie. than Swallow Falls in this movie. But I don't have a ton to say about that, except just that suddenly it struck me how familiar... The story mm-hmm. of an island where the fishing industry collapses and no one really knows how to move forward. Yeah. And they try to move forward with tourism and it doesn't really work. Yeah. Wow. It is exactly. <laughs> it's extremely similar to where we live. That's, that's, yeah. Wow. Huh. Yep. All right. So let's move into some other more familiar things for this podcast is how many female characters are there? There's the one. Just the one. Uh, Yep, there's Sam Sparks. There is the mother, uh, the wife of the cop, who is never named, but is slightly a character. Is slightly a character, doesn't talk to anyone. There's Flint Lockwood's mother, who is dead. She is there at the beginning when he's a child, and then she is his dead mother, who gets referenced many times. Yeah, she believed in him and understood him when his father didn't. Mm Mm-hmm. She re- really only exists to not exist. Yeah. So that their father has, so that he has someone with whom to contrast his father who doesn't understand him. Yeah. Even the monkey is a boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can I talk more more about Sam Sparks? Go. Though? Okay. So the deal with Sam Sparks is, uh, she's she pretends to be stupid. She's constantly saying, uh smart scientific things and then correcting herself to be oh it's pretty she's trying to be a girly girl and halfway through the movie flint draws attention to that and she puts on her glasses and puts her hair up and there is a lot of me that likes this that likes the like she goes the exact opposite way of the trope she puts on her glasses she puts her hair back up into a ponytail and a scrunchie and she's beautiful to the or she's more interesting to the main character. But Yeah. Yeah. So I think uh I think we should there's a lot to say there mm-hmm. about Sam Sparks. I think before we move on, we should back up a sec and just talk about the fact that she is pretending she's why is that a thing in this movie and what do we make of it mm-hmm. that she is when she's introduced, it's she's cute and perky, and that's all we ask of a weather girl. And she's, you know, going to be on camera because she's cute. They specifically mention, like, she smushes up against the camera, and he's like, oh, unattractive. Maybe next time yeah. she'll be more attractive. And then it goes along the fact that all she needs, all people want of her or expect of her is for her to be cute and perky. Uh goes hand in hand with she has to pretend not to be smart. Mm -hmm. And even more than pretend not to be smart, she has to pretend not to be, like, curious. Yeah, absolutely. She has to pretend not to have knowledge and interests that she has. Mm -hmm. We could What do you want to say about that? We could keep digging into that, but it seems to me a pointed and uh, not especially subtle, but fairly, Mm fairly fairly astute commentary and observation on what is expected of women in uh everything everything in the world (laughs) um and there is but especially in the media especially especially in in the media in in that job as a as a news media 
But there's a couple of parts of it, right? Like it's explicitly what it makes her valuable. What gives her value in the world is how she looks. Mm-hmm. Uh, she isn't expected to uh, contribute anything in terms of her intelligence or her curiosity or her talent. And not only that, but she's explicitly expected not to contribute mm-hmm. anything. Yeah. And then there's the aspect that I am, I think is well-intentioned, but is more problematic, which is that those two things can't go together. So it's not possible for her to be both intelligent and cute. Mm. Like she has to give up one to be the other. Mm -hmm. And it's the story of her past is that she had to give up her intelligence in order to be perceived as cute. But then the movie makes her do the opposite. It makes her give up her cuteness in order to be perceived as intelligent. And there's something, there's some value Mm. to deliberately uh, subverting and the trope doing it exactly backwards, as you said. Like she's, it's, she's all that in reverse. Yeah. And that's why, like, why glasses and a ponytail, that's a specific reference to a movie trope. Yes. Not really to something in real life. Like, it partly, sort of, yeah. but why a ponytail and glasses? Yeah. It's they're, they're specifically referencing that scene in movies where the girl takes off her glasses and p- takes down her ponytail yes. and suddenly she's beautiful, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, there's some value to doing that exactly backwards. But, but. do you want to say the but? Well, what were you I've been say? talking a little bit. What's what's your butt? <laughs> Let me see your butt. <laughs> I will show you my butt. My butt is... It's a big butt. Uh, <laughs> okay. I'm just making stupid Stop juvenile joke that doesn't even go anywhere. <laughs> it, fits, it fits the movie, fun, but, um, but... Well, there's two things that I think are troubling about that. And the one is that as I already said, it's continuing to reinforce that you can't have both. You have to choose. You have mm-hmm. to choose either cuteness or intelligence. And the other thing is that, as we've mentioned before in Way Too Seriously, when you reproduce a trope to criticize it, you're still reproducing it. Mm-hmm. And so children watching this movie aren't familiar with that movie trope, but they do have seen now that uh, to be have your hair down and wear no glasses is to be cute to wear glasses and have your hair up is to be smart. Um, yep. So those are my two Uh, big issues. My butt is different. Your butt is different. (laughs) No question. It is that. (laughs) Damn it, Paul. But I do like your butt. So go ahead. No. (laughs) No. I'll move over. I'm trying to talk. Okay, go. All of her, uh, when she changes, it's because a man tells her to. Right. It is pure, it's it's male gaze in reverse, kind of, but it's still male gaze. It's still, he approves of her change and therefore is in love with her. He needs her to, to... she only can do it with the with a man's approval. She can't choose this on her own. She chooses right. it because Flint tells her to, and that's also a problem. Yeah, for sure. Is that he? Uh, he's the one who puts her glasses back on. He's the one who gives her a scrunchie to put her hair up, and so 
it is, yeah, it is good that she chooses to be smart again. And I think that's important that he, but it does seem a little bit like he gives her permission to be not as cute and smart. Yeah. And, and that even, is, yeah. You're totally right. Because even afterwards, he has his little like, wow. I mean, you were okay before, but now you're beautiful. No. Listen, buddy, yeah, just who, because ponytails are your fetish does not mean that you're <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not even really joking about yeah, that. Like, absolutely. just because what you find attractive in a girl is her glasses doesn't mean you're actually subverting anything. Yeah. Movie. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so like. It's, tr- it's try. like, I give it points for trying. I really do. I think it is trying to do something and I think it's, it's worth noting that it's, uh, it recognizes this and is trying to fight against it, but it also, sorry, it also reinforces things and that's just the way it happens. You know what would have really made it easier? Mm-hmm. A second female character? Yep. Sure would have. Like? Always, always add more characters helps with any kind of trope. For sure. I have more things. What what more things do you want to talk about? Uh, go first. So fatness. So fatness. <laughs> Yes. So exactly. Sorry. The mayor is tiny at the beginning, and he's sort of evil. And then, as the movie goes on, he keeps cramming his face with food, and as he gets fatter, he gets more evil. Do you agree? You're making a face like you don't agree that they can't see. I yeah. <laughs> I think I, I I agree with I think where you're going with this. I would. I think he's evil right from the beginning because when he is small and tiny, he says like he wants to be big. He wants to be a big mayor of a big town. And if he doesn't, he's just mayor of a bunch of slack jawed, knuckle dragging fish. Like he insults the town. Yeah, he does insult the town. You're right. Um, But carry on with what you were saying. It does. It feels fat phobic. It feels like he, like they're making this statement on like, these big fat people who need to drive around in their motorized wheelchairs and just keep eating and eating and eating. And that's why they're fat. Yeah. And it's, it just creates a very like, you never, you don't see anyone else in the town get fat. You see the, you see the evil character get fat. Only him. Yeah. Only he can't control himself. And that. I mean, and not even just can't control himself. I interrupt you to quibble with your word. (laughs) Because I think that is even kind of playing in like what you just said about people who are fat and drive around in a motorized wheelchair. That is not because of their moral weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this movie, it is. Exactly. It's not fatness. It's not a moral weakness. It's not uh, a lot of the times it's not a choice and it's not. There are all kinds of body shapes and to just like default to the evil characters the one who gets fat is just lazy and fat phobic and i mean it doesn't especially because fat if it is which it isn't but when it is a representation of moral weakness it's a representation of the moral weakness of gluttony which is a moral weakness Mm -hmm. gluttony that is not just eating too much, but wanting to consume mm-hmm. in general. And a way, a shorthand for representing gluttony is fatness, even though in life those two things are not always connected. Yep. 
But the mayor's, uh, the mayor is the bad guy of the movie, sort of mostly, to the degree that there is one. Mm -hmm. But his badness is not about gluttony. Yeah. And so it's not well thought out. No. They're like, he wasn't a glutton before. There's a, he says he wants to be big. So they make him literally big. But yeah. when he says he wants to be big, if we're going to use the seven deadly sins, <laughs> he has the sin of pride. Mm -hmm. like what he wants is everyone to be looking at him and think he is great. He doesn't want to be consuming things. Yeah. Right? And so they switch what kind of evil he is so that they can make a fat joke. Yeah. And it makes him less purposeful as a villain. Mm-hmm. Not to mention that, I mean, as a villain, he's not really motivating behind anything. It really is a movie about Flint versus uh, nature mm -hmm. or Flint versus the creation himself. himself. Uh, the mayor is, is a secondary antagonist, not a primary antagonist. That's true. But the fat thing really, really is like, if this was a movie, and it could easily have been and maybe should have been, uh, about gluttony, mm -hmm. because you're making food, if you have it be about gluttony, not just overeating, but gluttony in all its different ways, mm -hmm. and then you have a character who is fat, I might be willing to say, like, you know, you're physically representing uh, some things about that, maybe. Maybe. But it is even worse here, because he, like, it's, they're disconnected. It weakens his character, and it only exists to, like, aren't fat people bad and stupid? And, yeah, uh, exactly. Don't they deserve our uh, condemnation? Yeah, exactly. Um, what else do we want to talk about? We could talk about um, the representation of race in this movie. Mm -hmm. I feel like um, there's some positive things to say about Earl, the policeman, maybe. Mm -hmm. Just that he's there and he there's no reason that he... Uh, he's an example of, you know, uh, benign and pointless representation and pointless in a good way. Like, yeah. uh, there's no reason that him and his family need to be black. They just are. Yeah. Um, Manny, the cameraman is a bit of a, he's Guatemalan. He's Guatemalan played by a Latino actor. He's mm -hmm. played by Benjamin Bratt. Um, there's a bit of a joke that he used to be a doctor back in Guatemala, and it's funny because doctors in America have to do doctors from uh, other countries, other who countries come who come to America have to do not doctor work. Ha ha ha! Yeah, it's kind of brushed off. He's a doctor and a pilot and a particle physicist. Are you really? No, I'm a. I'm really also a comedian. Ha 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 ha! Yeah. And they're kind of lampshading that, but they're also, I feel like, uh, belittling. They're making a joke out of that. That's a real thing that happens, right? Mm. People don't get to use their skills because they're not valued in America. It is, it's making fun of the immigrant experience, but it may also be drawing attention to the immigrant experience. And maybe that's a good thing in some ways to just like, sometimes if you just completely ignore that True. that happens at all, that's not fair either. So I feel like despite I can criticize it as well, but I also appreciate that they do have this representation of an immigrant's uh, 
an immigrant story that is common in America in many places when you come. And this is another one of these uh, circumstances that I'm going to break the fourth wall and say, next week you're going to hear what we recorded last week and we really liked last in Cloudy with the Meatballs yeah. too. We talked about the same thing and we really like it um, because I think they recognized the things that they did wrong with him in this movie and they I think yeah. they fixed it in the second movie. I think we'll go more into detail about race next week about uh, Earl. So I don't think we'll talk about it too much this week. We'll talk about a little bit more because we're talking about the same character. So we'll yeah. talk a little bit more about those things next week. Yep. That we've already recorded. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So I don't know that I have anything more specifically to say. Mm -hmm. Nothing more on my mind. Yeah. Um, so let's rate this one. Is it good? Is it seriously good? It's pretty good. Mm -hmm. I I wouldn't call it fantastically good, but it's pretty it's good. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's a good movie. Um, and in terms of seriously good, it's pretty seriously good. I wouldn't... If we're going to call it seriously medium. Seriously medium. Like, I don't it's think It's pretty it's, good and it's seriously yeah. medium. And I think to not use a rating system that we've ever used before, it's seriously trying, which I appreciate. <laughs> right. It is trying to do some things and it misses the mark in some ways, but I do think it gets a few points just for for trying to subvert some of the tropes about women and tropes about minorities and tropes about people of color in general. It's yep. trying. And it tries more in the second movie and I appreciate that. So Yeah, for sure. That's uh next week, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs too. Find out what happens in the sequel to both the movie and our podcast. Yeah. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> so Paul, if people wanna talk to us about Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs or whatever they want to, except Polar Express, don't add us. Don't add us. <laughs> How can they add us? <laughs> you can add us at WTScast on Twitter. On Twitter, we will respond and come and love to hear what you have to say about mm -hmm. this movie or any movie. You can also email us at waytoseriouslycast at gmail .com. We'll read all your emails. We'll answer. We'll do a little dance of joy that you sent us an email. I don't he's know not, what more not, you want from us. He's not even joking. He totally does a dance of joy. <laughs> um. If you enjoy this podcast, you might also enjoy our other podcast, Clockworks, a podcast about Legion, the TV show. You can find that on Apple Podcasts or on our website, goodstuff.fm slash clockworks. This, the website for this podcast is goodstuff.fm slash WTS. And if you enjoy this podcast, you also might want to rate and review it on Apple Podcast. In fact, we would very much appreciate it if you would. I think we there are no reviews as I'm recording this, which makes me very sad. Uh, so give us a review, please. We'll do a shout out if you have a review, <laughs> I'm sure. Sure. Um, and lastly, if you're still listening at this point, you really love us and you want to give us just like a dollar a month or whatever you can afford to get a little extra bonus things by supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash ClockworksCast. You can get cool little bonus episodes, trivia episodes. You can get one-shot episodes. Find out all those things at Patreon. Are we done? Okay. Is this the end? This is the end, all right. my only friend. <laughs> all right. So uh, keep on rolling those meatballs, I guess. <laughs> Ha, <laughs>
<laughs> rolling those meatballs. I don't know. <laughs> the <laughs> sunny skies ahead. <laughs> Something like that. All right. Goodbye. <laughs> All right. It, it, it's over. Stop listening. Yeah. Turn off your player. We're done. Try to laugh. Why are you still listening? <laughs> it's over. Go home. Unless you are home. There's no more podcast. <laughs> Turn it Stop off. it. Turn it off now. <laughs>